Good morning, you guys. So I kind of have this cold that I've been battling with. And um, so it's been a really like long week for me um, as I've just, you know how it is. And I feel like this has been one of like the worst colds ever because um, I got home on Tuesday. Um, Chris and I were on a retreat Monday and Tuesday. And then we got back when we had junior high Bible study. And when we got back from that, I was just like, oh, I'm not feeling good. And like, I actually woke up at 2 o'clock on Wednesday morning um, because my throat felt like I was being attacked by like tiny kittens with like huge claws, like every time I would swallow. It was just this awful feeling. And, and it was like that really all day Wednesday and then even Wednesday night I didn't get much sleep at all because my throat was just, was just really, really just bothering me. And my nose kind of felt like this. Hyperanal butoxide, as well as... <gasps> Dwight, are you okay? <laughs> Whoa. Butoxide has a mild hallucinogenic effect, but I don't think it's kicked in yet. I'm going to count down from ten. Nine. Yellow. Cold. Sad. <gasps> Had a pretty good day today. <laughs> Not everything went exactly according to plan, but... Lice, if you are watching, I am ready for you. Anytime, anywhere. So that's kind of how I've been feeling this past week. Um, so I'm going to go up here and I'm going to try really hard um, not to like cough or anything like that in the mic and bring the whole building down on top of us. Um, but anyway, needless to say, it hasn't been the most fun week, but I'm not taking it lying down. I have been fighting this cold, and I have some weapons that I'm using to fight this cold. The first one is this peach passion tea. I've been drinking a lot of tea, and I like it, you know, it's got to be scalding hot, because I don't care if my tongue is numb. That's cool. I want it to burn all the way down, and it feels good. The, the weird thing is, I don't really like this tea. But it's the best we got, so this is kind of what I've been drinking. My second weapon that I've been using against this cold are my Kleenex. I've blown my nose just a ton, especially yesterday and this morning. Um, and these things are just really awesome because they make me not get it on my shirt. <laughs> Finally, my other weapon that I've been using to combat this cold is my ibuprofen. This has actually soothed my throat a lot. I've been taking these, like a lot of them. Like I, I'm not taking more than a recommended dose, but you better believe I'm taking it regularly. And right when it says I can take some more, I'm taking more. Because this stuff has, has made me feel a lot better. And I bring this up because we're in the middle of a sermon series right now called The Battle for the Heart. Where we're learning about our heart and how God wants us to grow. And last week we spent a lot, a lot of time talking about um, what causes us to grow. And you guys remember we learned last week, you can say it with me, um, if I trust in myself, come on, say it with me, if I trust in myself, I will not grow. If I trust in God, I will mature. Let's say that one more time. If I trust in myself, I will not grow. If I trust in God, 
I will mature. And we really talked last week about how ultimately growth is God's job. It's him that works in us and through us to help us to grow. Today, we're going to talk, well, not just today, but today in the next two weeks, we're going to talk about some weapons that God gives us to help us in the battle for the heart. And we're going to talk about the first one today and then two more in the next two weeks. For today's message, we're going to look at John chapter 14, verse 15. I'd like to encourage you to turn there while I pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word, that you tell us the truth of how you want us to live. Lord, we pray as we open up your word and examine what you have to say to us in the Gospel of John, that our hearts would be open and receptive to what you have to say to us through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that you would help us not to just hear the things that are in your word, but that we would obey them and that we would apply them to our lives. Lord, we pray right now that you would fill me with your spirit and that you would help me to speak clearly and not all nasally and alien sounding. And Lord, we pray that um, you would help the words that I speak to not be my own, but to be yours and the, the words that you desire us to hear today as we learn how to grow. Again, we're in John 14, verse 15. And I want to take just a moment to give you guys some context of where this verse is happening in the Bible. Um, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. The upper room is an expression um, to refer to a time in Jesus' life, um, just hours actually before um, his crucifixion. And what ended up happening is... um, he had asked the disciples to go and rent a room for him. Um, And the disciples went that, and they did that, and they had their Passover meal in there. Um, And then after that, Jesus had a conversation with his disciples to prepare them for what was to lie up ahead. And this conversation was really important to the, um, the disciple named John. Because in his gospel, he spends five chapters writing about this conversation, starting in chapter 13 and going through chapter 17. That's almost a quarter of his entire gospel that he spends on this. And really, during this this discussion that Jesus is having with his disciples, he is telling them about what's going to lie ahead, which will start by him getting arrested by one of his closest friends named Judas Iscariot. Then he's going to be put on a really unfair trial where people are just going to come and and tell lies about him and um, just really rip on him in a mean way. After that, he's going to be tortured and beaten. And then he's going to be crucified. But three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. And then he's going to reveal himself to his disciples and say, you know I was dead? I'm still alive. Or I'm alive again. And he's going to show them the power of, of his resurrection. And then, after about 40 days, he's going to float up into the sky and leave them by themselves. And it's in this conversation where Jesus is preparing them for all of that. Let's take a look at John 14, starting in verse 15. Jesus says, If you love me, 
Keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives in you and with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. You see, in the dawn of the world-changing events that are about to take place, Jesus reveals to his disciples that for the rest of their lives, they're not going to be alone. He promises an ally who will help them through all that time. And then even after all that had gone down, the Spirit was with them as they went out and carried out Jesus' mission that he gave to them, which was to start the church. And the Holy Spirit was with them and empowered them to do all of the, those great things that God wanted them to do. And now, over 2,000 years later, we still have the Holy Spirit with us. The first weapon that God gives us in the battle for the heart is the Holy Spirit. According to this passage, this Holy Spirit is with us. And his job is to help us to obey. He teaches us and reminds us of what we have been taught. The Holy Spirit is a very important character in the Bible, especially in the New Testament. He is the third person of the Trinity. So along with God the Father and Jesus, the Holy Spirit makes up the Godhead that we worship. Now, according to theology, the Holy Spirit has two ways that he dwells in us. And we refer to them as the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the filling or the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I want to take a couple moments to um, contrast these two to help us to understand what they are and why they're so important for us. Starting off with baptism. Baptism of the Holy Spirit occurs the moment you accept Jesus as your Savior. And it results in His presence in your life. Every single person who has placed their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation has been baptized by the Holy Spirit because it happens the moment that you put your trust in Him. And this is an unconditional baptism. As soon as you place your trust, it, it happens. And everybody, everybody's got it. And it's an all or nothing thing. You either are baptized by the Holy Spirit or you're not baptized by the Holy Spirit. 
and the role of baptism by the Holy Spirit is that our salvation is sealed. And it also marks our adoption as God's children. Simply put, baptism of the Holy Spirit means that you are saved and that you will spend eternity with God in heaven. Now, the anointing or the filling of the Holy Spirit is a little different. This is conditionally based on our relationship with God and results in the power in our life. Whereas baptism of the Holy Spirit happens one time in your life at the moment of conversion, the anointing of the Holy Spirit can happen and it does, should happen repeatedly throughout our life. Um, and some people experience it more or less than others. And the reason for that is because it's, it's much more conditional. Whereas um, baptism, everyone, it's a yes or no, all or nothing thing. The anointing is something that's progressive. It can grow. And the anointing is all about how much um, is the Holy Spirit in control of our life? How much are we surrendering to him? And when we are anointed by the Holy Spirit, he empowers us to have a relationship with him. And he empowers us for ministry. He empowers us to do his will. And secondly, the anointing of the Holy Spirit transforms us from people who are depending on our natural old human flesh, which cannot please God, into someone that trusts and relies more on Him, on God the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you have placed your trust for salvation in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is in your life because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The question is, how much of your heart, which we talked about last year being your will, how much of your will have you surrendered to his influence? Perhaps an even greater question is, how do we surrender? Because I've never met a believer who would tell me, yeah, I don't really want the Holy Spirit to influence me. Like, I'm cool with just, you know, saying a prayer, going to heaven, and like, I don't want to live for God. I don't, I don't know that I've ever met a true believer who wants that in their life. And we all want the Holy Spirit to influence us and to help us in life. But the question is, how does that happen? How do we allow God to do that? Is there some sort of like password prayer that we've got to say? Do we just simply ask him? And while I think asking him is a good thing, and God wants us to express our desire for more of his influence in our life, Sometimes talk is cheap. And we can claim to want something with our words, with our minds. But then we go and we make decisions and the way we live our life says just the exact opposite. I think the key to having a greater influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives is found in the John 14 passage that we read. And the idea is repeated three times. The first time is in verses 15 and 16. Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. See, 
according to this passage, we show God that we love him and we show God that we want his influence in our life by obeying what he reveals to us. Notice here that in verse 15 it says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And it goes on in verse 16 to have a promise that when we obey, we keep commands, the Holy Spirit begins to dwell in us more. Going ahead now to verse 21, he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Here again, we see if we claim to love God and want more influence in his life, our job is to keep the commands, the things that God has revealed to us. And the result of that is that we will be loved by the Father and God will continue to reveal himself more to us. Again, in verse 23, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with them. Same exact concept, repeated three times in this passage. I think Jesus is trying to tell us something here. If we want a greater influence in our life, we need to submit to the Holy Spirit. And submission to the Holy Spirit comes through obedience. You could even say that submission is obedience. Can you submit to something that you don't obey? No, you can't. That's not really submission. And immediately following all three of these statements on obedience shows that obedience results in more influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I think this makes a lot of sense because obedience, as directly stated in this passage, shows God that we love him. And it shows him that we trust him. And when we trust God, he reveals more of himself to us, resulting in greater influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we give him more control and he's able to help us more. The point I'm trying to make is I think our obedience and the Holy Spirit's influence go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Because as we talked about last week, we can't obey unless the Holy Spirit is influencing us. And our influence grows when we, we step in faith and show obedience to the revelation. I think the best picture that comes to my mind when I think about this is just the concept of walking. It's like our right foot is the Holy Spirit revealing stuff to us and helping us to obey and, and telling us what we need to do. And then our job is to respond to that in obedience. And when we do that, God um, has increased influence in our life and he gives us more opportunities to obey him. He reveals more stuff to us that we have to respond to in obedience. Our job then is obey. He reveals more. We obey. And as that process goes on, we start going in the direction that we want to go toward maturity. And that is what our job is, is that when the Holy Spirit reveals stuff to us, we obey. However, there's another response that we can have when the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, and that is to resist the Holy Spirit and to say, I don't want to do that. I'm going to do my own will. 
problem is that when we're apathetic toward the Holy Spirit or we're just straight up disobedient, we end up closing the door on experiencing God in a meaningful way. And I think that actually moves us in the wrong direction. Because when we go forward and we're not stepping back, I think we actually lose influence in life because we're shutting God out. We're not allowing him to have the influence that he needs to help us to grow. I call this the dimmer principle. It's the idea that when we're obedient to God, let's say that our spiritual life is like a light. And maybe we have kind of a dim faith in God, but God is revealing something to us that might not be very bright. And our job is obedience. And when we obey, it's like God brightens it a little bit. And then our job is to obey. And when we do that, God brightens it up a little bit more. And then once we step out in faith and obey that, God brightens it a little bit more. And it's like we start to understand and, and, and we start to see and understand and know and experience God more in our lives. The opposite, though, can be the case. That when we're disobedient to God, I think his influence in our life dims. And when we continue to be apathetic, it dims even more. And when we continue to be disobedient, it dims even more. And I think... Really, throughout our life, I don't think it's necessarily a steady progress. I know, looking back in my life, it's not. I can see times in my life where sometimes my relationship with God is really bright, and other times it's dim, and it seems like, you know, the influence that God has in my life is brighter or dimmer based upon my willingness to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure a lot of you who have been following Christ can see that in your life too. That oftentimes it feels like we're really close to God. And other times it feels like we're really far away from Him and we're not really following Him the way we should. And when that happens, we need to repent and to turn to God. Because when the Holy Spirit reveals something to us, we need to respond with faith that has led and accompanied by action. I know that trusting in God is not always easy. And I think part of the reason for that is sometimes we don't fully understand um, what God is doing in us. Because we don't always understand what's good. Is Luke in here, Hannah, or did he leave? She took him? Okay. Um, I was going to use him for an example, but um, I'm not going to. All right, so... We have kind of the same thing with Luke. Like We're trying to teach him how to be obedient and to um, do the things that we want. But like Kimberly said, Luke does not like going to sleep. He does not like going to bed at night. He doesn't like taking a nap. He would much rather play with his trains all day and just enjoy stuff and, and never get to sleep. But we as his parents know that that's not what he needs that sleep is good for him. So Carissa taught him this thing of him knowing what his job is. She always says to him when he's resisting 
what she wants to do. She'll say, hey, Lukey, what's mommy's job? And Luke will look up at her and he'll say, mommy's job is to take care of me. And then mom will say, that's right. And what is Lukey's job? And Lukey will say, Lukey's job is to obey mommy and daddy. And so he knows. And whenever he, he goes through that and he's reminded of what his job is, he usually complies and does a better job. And like I said, the thing is, Luke doesn't always know what's best for him. But as his parents, we love him, and we have his best interest at heart. And so when we do this thing, he learns to trust us and to obey us, and it helps him to get the things that he needs. In the same way, God knows what's best for us, even when we don't. And God desires to have a stronger relationship with us. He wants to know you better. He wants to have influence over your life. And he wants to empower you to do great things. And we need to trust him and allow him to do his thing. And that's how we're going to grow. Let's take a look now at the process of growing to maturity through the Holy Spirit and see what that looks like. First, we saw that Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes and reveals stuff to us. And then the Holy Spirit helps us to obey. He doesn't force us, he helps us to obey. And when we are obedient, it causes us to abide with God. It facilitates God's presence in our life. Again, it's that two-way street that God's presence and our obedience working together go hand in hand and they help facilitate both more obedience and more of God's presence in our life. But here's the really cool thing. The next thing that Jesus talks about is in John chapter 15. If you still have your Bible in there, um, turn with me to John uh, chapter 15, which starts off, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the world I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And check out verse 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Here we see the outcome of us continuing the walk walk of obedience. While greater obedience to God and God's greater presence in our life is good, it also produces fruit in our lives, which 
I think that can be summed by our character being conformed to the likeness of Christ, who, as we saw from that verse, is our example. It was Christ who was obedient and followed what the Holy Spirit wanted. And in Philippians it says he was obedient to the, to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so we follow Christ's example and we allow ourselves to experience greater presence. And God's presence in our life bears fruit in us, which is that character and greater influence on those around us. But that's getting ahead to next week. I experienced um, some of this idea that we are to be obedient to God earlier this week on Thursday. Um, there's, another, there's two other churches in this town for Washington, one called Open Door um, and another one called Port View. And um, two of my best friends are the youth pastors at that church, and we meet for coffee every, every other Thursday just to encourage one another and pray for one another um, and even to plan and do some ministry stuff together. Um, and Seth, the youth pastor at um, Open Door, had to leave a little earlier, and Paul and I were just talking. Um, and while we were talking, there was this guy that came in, um, and he was having his coffee, and he was tapping on like, all these rhythms. And like, he totally looked like an 80s rocker. Like, it was, he had like, a leather jacket and like, the skinny jeans and boots, and he had black fingernails and kind of long hair. He was like, um, like I said, he, when, if you think of like, an 80s like, rock singer, like that's kind of what he looked like. Um, and while Paul, Paul and I were talking, um, I had finished my coffee. And you know that little cardboard ring that they put around the coffee um, to um, you know, keep your hand from burning? Well, I was kind of um, playing with that, and I was just kind of ripping it into pieces and shoving it into my um, coffee cup. And after, um, after that, we, we had prayed, and Paul needed to leave. And I, for some odd reason, I was like, I just feel like sitting here and finishing ripping up my cardboard ring and shoving it into my coffee cup. And as I was doing this, I kind of was looking at this guy, and I felt like the Holy Spirit was tugging at my heart to go and talk to him. Um, and so I was like, I am so don't want to do that. <laughs> um, and I was kind of nervous, but then I was like, he's tapping out rhythms. He, he seems to really be into music. And um, I've been... Um, like, I take guitar lessons, and I love playing guitar, and I've been learning a lot of, like, even, like, the 80s kind of music. Um, so I was like, maybe I could bring that up. And um, I decided to um, submit myself to the Holy Spirit because I was like, if I don't talk to him, I feel like I'm disobeying God. And so I just started off the conversation with um, just say, hey, I see you tapping, and you seem to have really good rhythm. Are you a drummer? He was like, I dabble a little bit in drums, but I really love singing. And he told me about how he um, was in a band out in New York. Um, and he was like, he's the singer and he has all guitars. And we got talking about gear and, and stuff like that. And he made a comment um, of like, yeah, music is my life, man. If I didn't have music, I don't know what I would do. Um, you know, that's, that's all I do is music and I just love it. And I was like, that's really cool. And I, I got to share with him how, for me, music is an opportunity to worship God. And it was just this really cool you know, opportunity that I had um, to show him um, my love for Jesus that I can express through music. 
And it was this really cool thing. And I don't know if he even remembers me or if it had an impact him, but I feel like that was an example in the last couple of days where God was calling me to obedience to just talk to this guy. Um, and I say that because ultimately, as we learned from last week, spiritual growth is God's job. Our role is to cooperate or resist. So the question is, are we willing to let God change us? Are we willing to allow God to come in and influence us? I think that's the question that we need to ask ourselves today. Are we willing to submit to the Holy Spirit in obedience? I think that the really cool thing about this is it levels the playing field. You could be the president of a seminary and know tons of stuff about the Bible and be able to like quote a bunch of scripture and know theology really, really well. But if you're not obeying the Holy Spirit, if you're being disobedient, your spiritual life is dim. Yet, if you're a brand new believer and you can't name two books of the Bible, but yet, when the Holy Spirit reveals things to you and you act in obedience, your spiritual life is bright. Because it's not about how little or much you know. And it's not even about how much faith you have. It's all about your willingness to act in the things that God is revealing to you. My prayer for you today is that you would show God your willingness to grow by submitting to the Holy Spirit's influence, by being obedient to what he's telling you to do. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for the Bible and how you have ways of revealing yourself to us and the ultimate revelation of yourself was through Jesus and how he died on the cross to pave the way for us to um, have a relationship with you. Lord, one of the, the best things we have to facilitate that relationship is your spirit that lives inside of us. Father, I pray that you would help us all to be obedient to the things that you're calling us to. And that through our obedience, you would brighten our relationship with you. Prevent us from being disobedient. And for our desire to you, for you to fade. Lord, we don't want that. We want to know you more. We want more of your influence in our life. Help us to submit to you and to obey you in all things.